So we're talking about the will of God. I'm going to continue on talking about the will of God for a few weeks, how to know the will of God, what is the will of God. Um, we quit at the place, I had an introduction last week to the, to the five steps to know the will of God or the process of knowing the will of God. And I did uh, begin to talk about the Word of God, to seek God's Word. I did not finish that by any means. Tonight, hopefully by the grace of God, I will at least finish the Word of God, maybe go to the second one and get into that some. So let's pray. Father, give us wisdom. Help us to know your will, to be able to discern it. In Jesus' name, amen. Of all the things I'm asked through the years by people, Lord, what the will of God is, is big. It's big. It's one of the top. Maybe five things people ask me about. What is God's will? Uh, we want to move back north or want to move south or the kids want us this or this and their job changes. You know, is this the will of God to get this new job? It pays more. It's got a better 401k and all this. But that doesn't mean it's God's will. Bigger is not always God's will. Better is not always God's will. More lucrative is not always God's will. Man in America, we're big on that. If it's more, if it's more lucrative, it's got to be right. That is not so with God. He don't care about the money like that. Because guess what you're going to do when you die? You're going to leave it. You're going to leave it. So it's who you are and what you do for him and, and seeking his will. So you want to know his will. Of course, the number one way, I believe it's, it's simply the best way to seek God's will, as I mentioned last week, was to know the Word of God. The Word of God, God's Word, seek God's Word is number one. When I went to Haiti, I had never been in a third world country like Haiti before. When I went to Haiti, uh, they have they had very little to know what they call light pollution. Are you familiar with what light pollution is? And you people were raised out in the country, you know, when you were kids, and there were no big cities by you. You could see the Milky Way. How many were raised where you could see the Milky Way? Yeah, that's because it's got to be really dark for you to see the Milky Way. You can't see it otherwise. And some of you think the Milky Way is like a candy bar, but nevertheless, um, you cannot see the Milky Way around here. You cannot see it. We have too much light pollution, too much ambient reflected light from the ground. Our city, can I, can I make a complaint here up against our city? They put streetlights all the way down 41, from one end to the other. And I'm less why we have headlights. But they spent, they spent millions of our dollars to put them stupid, I mean, uh, them beautiful streetlights. So now you can't see that there's even a star in heaven. And where I live, they came out there with 2,000 homes called The Place. And they have been a little bit more careful about ambient light there. But as these homes, there's 10,000 homes getting ready to be built around me. 10,000 homes. There'll be no more looking at the stars. There'll be no more ambient. It's just going to be flooded out by the people like to have street lights, and they like to have porch lights, and they like to have and all these other lights. And we're doing our share with our Christmas lights. You can see my house from a satellite probably at this moment. But when I was in Haiti, there were no lights. And when it gets dark and there's no moon... Mamma mia. I mean, uh, you just about can't see your hand in front of your face. It's just about that dark. And we would have church at night in San Rafael, which is out in the country, away from, uh, away from uh, Capetian, 
which had some, you know, light pollution. But uh, out there, in, in 30 miles or so away in San Rafael, there was no real light pollution. We'd go out there and we'd have evening services. And some of these people would walk for hours in the night to get to us. And when they have a service, after you walk for two or three hours to get to service, you do not want an hour service. You want a three-hour service, you know. They don't want an hour service. They want a three-hour service. And so you sing for an hour and a half. The way they do special music is if you have a special you'd like to sing, you put your name in a hat, and they just start drawing them out of a hat, and they come up there and sing and sing and sing and sing and sing and sing and sing. It was amazing. Uh, then they sing hymns and songs in between those specials, and it's big. And so an hour, hour and a half, maybe more on singing. Then when you get up to preach, they don't want no 30-minute sermon, man. You're not going to preach no 30-minute sermon. You want to preach an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Because they've traveled, some of them traveled two hours uh, just one way to get there, and they got to go two hours back in the dark, in the dark. And so I don't know what it is about the Haitians. Uh, they, it's almost like they can see in the night. It's, it's a pretty amazing to me. But I could not see in the night. My eyes would not do it, so I had a flashlight. And you wouldn't believe the novelty of that flashlight. I mean, I would have that flashlight, and they'd be like, you know, I mean, no offense, man, but black people at night, unless they smile, you don't see them. And, and I mean, I'd be walking along, and I'd have that flashlight, and there'd be a bunch of people. I didn't even know they were there. I know they were walking by them, and so I'm like, wow, that's something else. But you know, the Bible says of itself that it is like a light onto our path. Now, that means something to agricultural people, much more than it means to you, which have all these lights going up and down the road. And the ambient light around here, you can almost, you almost don't need any other light. But brother in Haiti, you need some light if you're going to walk from one place to another, at least as an American. Now, the Haitians, they didn't have light. They walked. I don't know how they did it. Brother, I don't know whether you know, probably know more about the eye and everything, but they just had better cones and rods or whatever they got in their eyes than we have. Uh, but they could do it. But we need light. I appreciate a flashlight when it's very dark. But God's Word is said to be like that for us. Without it, the journey is probably end in tragedy and in trouble. So without the Word of God, you're going to be in trouble. There's just too many obstacles in this life, too many dangers not to have God's Word pointing them out for us. Psalm 119.05, the Word's lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the just is as a shining light. How is that? Word of God. Word of God gives us a light. Listen, there are people today that think the end of the world's coming in 10 years by global warming. They really believe that. I can tell you the world's not going to end by global warming. Not even mentioned. And I can just tell you that's not going to happen. The oceans are not going to rise, drown a bunch of us. Not going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. Don't have to fret about it. Um, you, can, you can go to the Word of God, and it will enlighten you. It will give you confidence in the future. It will give you peace. But they're actually trying to do it. I don't know what's, I don't actually know what they're trying to do other than a power grab. 
But they're trying to scare the world into thinking, if we don't stop all carbon fuel, in 10 years, we're all dead. We're all dead. I'll tell you one thing, without carbon fuel, you may want to die because you're going to go back to walking. Uh, electric's not going to hack it because what about when the electric grid goes down, your electric car is worthless. And the first thing in war that they go for is the electric plant. What's the first thing they go for in war? Cut out all the electricity. So if you've got an electric car, you're shot. But if i got a 1,000 gallons of gas down in the ground, you don't know where it's at, i got some fuel to move around, even in spite of a war or spite of a confrontation. I just like the mobility of that. I don't know about you. Um, I'm not against electric cars at all. I'm not against it all, but don't. But be careful. They're not. They're not what the. They're not what they claim them to be. They're not impervious to trouble. The Bible says the way of the wicked is as darkness. Well, they know not what they stumble at. And that's the current news, current headline of what we see today. My son, he says, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of thine heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. This book is our life, spiritually. But it goes bigger than that. It's also your spiritual health. But it's also your physical health. Did you know I'm probably here tonight, very likely here tonight, at 68 years old, because of this book. So I can take that, I can take that verse literally. This book was the, one, well, the book that told me to quit smoking. And I quit smoking when cigarettes were 35 cents a pack. So not only did this book save me a lot of money, this book saved me my lungs. Amen? Otherwise, I'd probably long died of some sort of uh, asthma or... Uh, P-D-O-Q, whatever they call that thing. Uh, emphysema. My, my uh, grandfather died of emphysema from smoking. And so, also this, this book here, this book here uh, keep, kept me away from alcohol. Well, what'd that do for me? Well, first of all, it kept me sober. You say, well, I don't get drunk. I drink. But if you drink, you're not the same as if you don't drink. Two drinks, one hour. Two beers, one hour. You're DUI. That's driving under the influence and you're illegal on the roads of Florida. But it's bigger than that. Two beers and you start talking funny. One old boy that drank told me there's a lot of cuss words in that bottle. I'm telling you, when I deal with marriages that are struggling, you put alcohol into the mix of that marriage, and they start telling each other stuff they shouldn't say. They start being mean to each other. They start being cruel to each other. They start, and the, the alcohol literally will break the marriage down, ultimately destroy it. So this this book, ooh, this book helps you a lot. It's a light. It's a light under my path. It's it's health to my bones. It's good. It's how to find the will of God. Josh McDowell years ago did a book called Evidence of the Man's a Verdict. I hope you get it. If you haven't gotten it, looked at it, you ought to get it and read it. I've read it through at least twice, maybe three times. 
Evidence of Demands a Verdict, written, compiled, I should say, in the 70s. Phenomenal book. For skeptics, for sure. But he listed in his study with, all he did was pretty much all his works in college students. College students. FGCU, he goes to FGCU, bigger campuses, and he debates anybody who wants to debate about Christianity and all that stuff. Kind of like uh, what we're having here at McMurtry in January. You don't want to miss that. We're going to have a phenomenal week of Grady McMurtry telling us why, why uh, creation is not only biblical but scientific. They're going to tell you why. You can argue with him. Oh, I'd love you to argue with him. Please argue with him. Um, so he did an extensive surveys, and he came up with three reasons people reject the Word of God. Number one, he said ignorance. Romans 1.21 says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but were, un, but were thank, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Uh, ignorance. Self-imposed ignorance. Uh, when you choose to reject God's word, God gives you what you want, and causes you not to be able to have it. See, you get to understand this word. And so when you approach the word of God with a sense of reverence, God the Holy Spirit, of course, you have to have, because God the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote it, and he's the key to it, and he'll unlock it for you, let you understand it. And if you approach it with a sense of reverence and a sense of humility and a sense of reception, God will unlock this book for you and let you see Wonderful things out of thy word. The truths of life. The truths of eternity. But if you uh, approach it and reject it, you say, I don't want it. You become ignorant. Solidified in that ignorance, if I may say it that way. Or willingly ignorant. The Bible calls you a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Right? Psalm 14. The second thing he said is pride. Pride. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, a heart man is haughty. Before honor is humility. Pride blinds and skews your need for God. Pride gives a false confidence and a false hope. Pride separates you from God's help. Why? James 4, 6 says, He that, go, he that giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the only way you're going to get to God is by humility, and if I may add one other one, faith. Faith and humility open God's heart and, and to you, if I may say that way, in the Word of God. The third thing he noticed by his surveys among college students, the third reason for their rejection of the Bible and the Word of God were moral problems. John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus' words. This is condemnation. The light has come into the world. Men loved darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Jesus' words, argue with them all you want. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So some people are going to go to hell uh, because of willful ignorance. Some people are going to go to hell because of their pride. And some people are going to go to hell because they love the pleasure of sin more than they love God. The Bible says lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
it was what it was what saved Moses is he he can he realized that he did he could not indulge in the pleasures of Egypt and were willing to separate himself from the pleasures of Egypt and he chose a the things of God over the pleasures of Egypt. Boy, I mean, what a choice he had. And he chose wisely, did he not? Hell will be full of people who knew better. It will be full of people who can quote Scripture. Uh, they attended Sunday school and church and prayer meetings, read their Bibles. Their sins, their lusts, their pleasures that God condemned, they would not give up. Tonight, if God asked you to give something up that you really liked, would you do it? Think, first of all, think of something. First of all, do you have anything you really like? If he asked you to give up something you really liked, would you do it? Now, if you're right with God, tender spirit and humble, you say, I'll give up anything God asked me to give up. Amen? God asked me to give up Mountain Dew. One of my favorite drinks ever, ever made was Mountain Dew, health food. I gave it up. Through circumstances and things, God asked me to give up red meat. I gave up red meat for years, two, three years. I love ribeye. You know that. Baked potato, smothered, covered. I gave it up. Because God asked me to do it. Amen? In other words, if God asked you to take, give up something good, would you do it? Well, if you care about the will of God, you will. Amen? You're just going to give it up. For what is the comparison? What I like here or what God likes? If God says, this is going to make me happy, I'll say, I'll do it. No problem. I got no problem with that. God had me give up alcohol. God had me give up smoking, as I mentioned before. God said, give me, give up. He had me give up a rock and roll music. Boy, that saved me. When God pulled me away from rock and roll music, he saved me. Because that was insidious. Music goes directly to your spirit. Don't you be deceived by music. Music's one of the most dangerous things out there. It also is a great edifying thing. It is a tool that can edify you by the grace of God if it is deeply spiritual music. But if it's worldly music, it'll pull you away from the things of God. Why? Because it's an abomination to God. God doesn't like, you cannot be a friend of the world and be in with God. It don't work that way. You're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's music. That's music. That's part of it. The world's music. God's word has the answer for every problem you'll ever face in this life. Amen. It's, he'll get, God will give you an answer in principle or in promise, but you'll get an answer. If God's word makes plain sense, seek no other sense. Years ago, people came out with a code. Remember the code? There was some sort of a, of a hidden code in the Bible. I forgot the name of it, but there was a hidden code. Da Vinci code. Da Vinci code. Yeah, oh, yeah. People from church here said, hey, preacher, what do you think of this Da Vinci code? I said, I hadn't even read the book. I said, it's wrong. Why? I know God. I know his word. I can tell you he's not trying to hide anything from anybody. Except those that are full of pride, willfully ignorant, you know, or into moral immorality. They don't want to leave it. Those people are hidden. They, he is hidden from them. 
But if you have an open heart to know God, he wants to show you everything you want to know. Man, open your eyes. That's why I encourage you to read your Bible through once a year. It'll change your world. It'll change your countenance. It'll change your vocabulary. It'll change the way you solve problems. Word of God, powerful, quick, sharp, and any two-edged sword dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints tomorrow, discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there anything, any creature is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with him we have to do. You believe that? Yeah, if you believe it, you'll read it. It's got the answer. Do what you know is right, not what your emotions tell you. Oh, this is good. This is good stuff. These truths will help you. Do what the Word of God says and what you know is right, and not what your emotions tell you. Did you know you can never overcome emotions by logic? Ladies, sometimes you girls get emotional. Now, sometimes we men get emotional. But sometimes you, you women just have a reputation in this area, at least among the men. And that is not the time to try to make your point. Men, wake up. It ain't the time to try to do your treatise. When your woman's emotional. Because I, I've learned, and it's true, that you cannot overcome emotions, blind emotions, with logic. You can't. But as you read through the Word of God, it will beat through and cut through those illogical, sometimes detrimental emotions that you feel. Uh, the safest place on earth is being set as a center of God's will. And brother and sister, it is. Listen to God's word speak about itself. Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandment. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Those are great words. I like it in Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in Heaven, glory to God, hallelujah. This is big. I like it where it says in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now let me give you the context for that verse. The devil was tempting Jesus. He had been in the wilderness. He was weak. His emotions were down, his body was down, and the devil came by. That's when the devil's going to come by. He's going to come by your weakest moment. And he came by Jesus' weakest moment, and he misquoted Scripture to him. And I like what Jesus said. No. He said, make, make of these stones. You're hungry. Make of these stones bread. Jesus could have done it. Oh, no, no, he says, but I'm not going to do it unless the Father says to do it. Because he was under the authority of the Father while here in the body. And he says, but every word, you man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word, for say that the mind of God, love it. John 14, 23, Jesus answered, said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Do you love Jesus? Prove yourself, examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. Do you love Jesus? 
You'll care about his words. Now, if you care about his words, you will seek to know his words. This is logic. And if you seek to know his words, once you seek to know his words, you'll seek to do his words. Does that make sense to you? Care, know, do. What's that, what's that say right up there? Blessed are they that hear the word of God and do what? Keep it. That's Jesus' words, Luke eleven twenty eight. Keep it. How many of you, because that's been up there for a long time, have kind of passively memorized that? Anybody in here? Yeah. That's why I got it up there. That's why I got it up there. I love it. And the Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. So if you love the word of God, and, and you, you care about them, and you, you, you want to know them, and you will do them, the Bible says gives you a promise. God's going to be with you. Well, if God be with you, if God be for you, who can be against you? Right? Nobody. You're going to make it. You're going to do well. Brother Bill Scora came here years ago. Was it literally about seven year, 17 years ago, something like that? I know I don't expect you to answer me, but anyway, how you doing back there, Lily? And uh, they came, and they got fired up about reading the Bible. And Bill Sikora got fired up, and Lil, about reading the Bible. And they started reading the Bible. I mean, they started reading the Bible. They started reading that thing through. I think his testimony at a funeral was he was reading, he reading five hours a day some days. I don't know a better way to use your retirement. I'm bored, preacher. Read the Bible, you'll get on board. Do something crazy. Read it through three, four times a year. Do what Bill Secora did. Read it five hours of a day. Woo, something will happen to you. What happened to Bill? He, got, he read the Bible, got on fire about the Bible. Then he got on fire about passing gospel tracks out. And he'd come out of that room and say, Little and Bill, thousand. Little and Bill, thousand. And I was always amazed. That takes a lot of work, a lot of work to do that. Little and Bill, thousand. I sat there and quietly added some of that up. He passed out approximately 50, he and Lil now, Bill and Lil, passed out approximately 50,000 gospel tracts a year. There's going to be eternal reward. There's going to be eternal good things. Plus, here's the part nobody talks about. That helps you feel better. That keeps you out of depression. That keeps you out of melancholic moods. That keeps you up on top side rather than back on downside. When you start doing the will of God, it has a two-edged sword. It helps those it goes to. That's one edge of the sword. And it helps those who do it. That's the other edge of the sword. So it, it helps them and helps you. You say, well, I don't do it to get help, but God's going to help you. Amen. He's going to help you whether you like it or not. You will be better because you were seeking the will of God through the word of God. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the first and foremost way to seek God's will in your life is through his word, no excuses. 
Now, I have people tell you, bro, I don't read. Listen, tell me, I'm getting old. I don't read like I used to read. I used to be able to read three, four hours at a sitting. I cannot do that anymore. I'm 15 minutes, and I'm looking at the back of my eyelids. I mean, it's pitiful. It is just pitiful. The other night, it was 8 o'clock. I thought, okay, it's too early to go to bed. So I've got my Bible, and I'm reading my Bible through, and I still have, I'm in Second Chronicles, real exciting book, Second Chronicles, and I'm starting, it is an exciting book, I'm, I'm starting Second Chronicles chapter 20, and I said, well, I could read it, you know, at the end of the book. Two chapters, and my head hit the Bible. And so I slap myself around a little bit and say, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. Let me try it. I wait myself. Okay. And I go at it again. One chapter. I'm reading the same, same sentence over again. What does that mean? What, is, what am I doing? Finally, I just, Kathy, it's late. I'm going to bed. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. It really is pitiful. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to people who struggle with reading. But you can listen to the Bible in your truck or in your car or at your house easily in a year. And let Alexander Scorby pronounce everything correctly, read everything in the right succinction, and make it beautiful to sound. In fact, when you go to heaven, you're expected to hear him. And you go through the book. And you know what I find about listening to the Bible? I get stuff out of the Bible listening to it. I do not get reading it. It's true. Now, I still read the book. But it's hard on me to read the book now. It's, 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 i got to keep slapping myself. And so, uh, but I listen to the book also. I listen to a lot of it. I listen to it again, and it helps me. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus never fails. I'm going to get this. Jesus never fails. Jesus never I'm, I'm, I'm one bar ahead of myself. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus never fails. Lily, I think Bill's singing that tonight. Amen. The last song he ever sang on this earth. I like that song. He never fails. His word never fails. You can trust it. You young people, I, if you, I wouldn't blame you for being nervous the way things are. But you don't have to be nervous if you're trusting Jesus. Because you are born for such a time as this. How do I know that? The Bible. I wouldn't even know that if it wasn't the Bible, right? Esther, you're born for such a time as this. So this is the time you're supposed to be. And so you're not born in the wrong time. You're not born in the wrong generation. You're born for these moments, these troubles, these challenges, and God, where God guides, God supplies. 
The Bible says that too. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. It's Bible. It just keeps coming back to you and, and rewarding you and rewarding you and rewarding you. Amen. You can die physically in poverty and be a rich, rich person if you know the Bible. You young people, you 20-somethings, know the book. Make it number one in your world. At 18 years old, God got a hold of me and, and told me, I was listening to a guy preach is what it was. I was listening to a sermon one day, and this guy really knew the book. He, he was quoting the book and reading parts of the book. And as I was sitting there listening to him, the Holy Spirit said, you can do that same thing. Now, I think I was 14 years old. And, he, and the Holy Spirit just said, you know, you can, do, you can do that. I said, you think I could do that? You think I could know the Bible like that guy? That guy knows the Bible. Do you think someday I could know the Bible? It was like God said back to me, that could be you. You can know the Bible. I said, oh, to know the Bible, you'd be rich, wouldn't you? You'd be rich. We had a little conversation. Yeah, you'd be rich. Oh, if I knew nothing else in this world but the Bible, I'd be rich. He said, yeah, you'd be rich. And I'm rich. I tell people, I'm filthy rich. That's the world's. But I'm rich based on the pureness of the Bible. Glory to God. I never buried anybody that had a U-Haul. I never buried anybody that took much with them. When I, bury, when I bury my wife, she's going to take a few things with her. One of them is stainless steel bowl that she always accuses me of changing my oil with. I'm going to give her that, and I'm going to put candy in it. It's going to be on her chest with her hands around it like this. And when people walk by the casket, I'll just say, take one, just put the wrapper in the casket. I've said that for at least 30 years. And I'm, trust me, I am going to do that. And she better beg God that she goes after me, or I'm going to do that. And uh, it will be a real novelty. Isn't that amazing? Christians, can we can laugh and make fun about death. How is that? Otherwise, de otherwise this death is your enemy. But the Bible says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Do you know you're going to be there to see it? How do you know that? The Bible. Death and hell were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. We're going to be able to see the old enemy of mankind. Woo, death. Death's going to be gone. Hell cast in a lake of fire. Wickedness and dishonesty and injustice cast into the lake of fire. How do I know that? The Bible. The Bible. Father, help us. Give us wisdom from above. May we have a hunger for the Bible somehow build in every one of us in the sound of my voice, wherever this may go, a hunger in the book, a hunger for the book, 
a willingness to suffer, to learn it, and a desire to have it. And I believe if we seek it, we'll find it if we seek it with all our heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.